if you will just help me today, I know the Lord will help us. Mark chapter number 2, verses 1 through 12. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he, everybody say Jesus was in the house. It was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, four men carrying another one on a bed. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, you know, that's like some people. I've never noticed this in this scripture, but it just jumps out at me. As long as Jesus was just preaching the word, those people were okay with what Jesus was doing. But when Jesus said it's time to operate in the supernatural, people started getting nervous and saying, I don't know about all this. Let me tell you something. All word and no spirit, you'll dry up. All spirit and no word, you'll blow up. But we need a balance of the two. We need the word and we need the spirit. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Supernatural power. So you'll know that I can even do that. Let me just show you this. And he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I am hungry for God to do it in such a way that we leave church and we say, I never saw it on this fashion. I'm believing God to do things that we have never experienced where even the eldest among us who have seen the most accomplished that our elders leave church saying, I've been in this for, uh, Brother Hurst, 90 years, but I've never seen it like this. That's what I'm believing God to do in our midst today. I'm going to preach to you from this thought a short message. If you will let me down, He can let me go. If you will let me down, He can let me go. Would you turn to your neighbor right now and just tell him, say, if you'll let me down, He'll let me go. When you've done that, and those that are going to help me preach, you can be seated. It was because of these four friends that had gathered together, who had heard what Jesus was doing in Capernaum. They heard that the Lord had come and that He was in the house and that where He was, mighty things happened. 
and that when he would speak that his words had such power within them that it was causing people to know that this was not a man like any other man but this was a completely different man. He was, as I like to say, the God man. And so hearing that he is in their town, hearing that he is in that particular house, they came together and they grabbed their friend who was sick of the palsy, meaning he had no strength in his body. And they put him on a mobile bed. And the four of them, one on each corner, grabbed it. And they carried him to this house where Jesus was. Because if you want to get a touch from Jesus, you need to go where Jesus is. Well, I can get a touch from God at home. Well, I'm glad you get a touch from God at home. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Jesus that is in this place is a powerful manifestation of His presence. He did say, He did say, that if two or three would gather together in My name, there will I be in the midst of them. If you want to gather in His name, just one of you, that's fine, and you ought to do that. But if you're going to leave it there, you've got a problem. Because Jesus does some of His greatest work in the context of people joining together in His name. And I'm glad we came together today on a... Somebody help me preach. I'm glad we came together on a Sunday to exalt Him and lift Him up. Hallelujah. So friends get their buddy. And they say, we're going to take our friend to Jesus. We have heard He is in this house. So picking up each one of them a corner of the bed, they go to the house. When they get there, there's a problem because the Bible said that they could not even get near Him for the press. They tried the door and they couldn't get through the door because there were so many people crammed in the door. I know we cram people in this room and if the Lord will help us, we're going to cram them on Rook Road. I know, I know it'll, it'll wear me out and it'll wear you out. But it's alright with me if it wears us out and we get over to Rook Road and we start having the same exact problems there that we've got here. I'd like it to be that people get to hearing about what Jesus is doing in this house. I want people to know that God moves in this house. I want people to know that God heals in this house. I want people to know that God delivers in this house. I want people to know that God will fill them with His Spirit in this house. I want people to know that God will touch your mind in this house. I want people to know that God will touch your spirit in this house. Whatever people have need of, I want backsliders to know that God forgives them in this house. I want people to know that there is mercy in this house. I want people to know that the grace of God is in this house. Let them hear about it and let them cram through the doors. Let them come walking in the doors every which way. Let them have to stand with this door open and people outside of it. Let them have to stand with this door open and people outside of it. 
whatever we've got to do. I remember I was preaching a revival. I was in El Dorado, and I was preaching a revival there, and uh, the, there was a choir that came to sing, and, and it was a bunch of ex-drug addicts and, and people who had come from really rough situations in their life. And the man who ran that rehab that this choir came from had one rule, and that was if you're going to come to this rehab, you're going to worship God, you're going to get involved, you're going to go to church, and, and this was part of the rules to come to their rehab. And so um, they came, and, and you have to understand that that helped create an environment of very excited men and women about what the Lord had done in their lives. And so um, the, the place was packed. Uh, the building was completely pa- packed. They were putting chairs everywhere they could. And this choir got up and they came on the platform and there were so many of them. So the pastor and I left the platform thrones. <laughs> it's just a joke, okay. We left the, those chairs on the platform and we came down and we got down and um, these folks got to singing and, and shouting and, and carrying on and, and it was loud and, and, and they were excited about what God had done. Well, one of them, I could tell, these people had a reputation that when the Holy Ghost got to moving, they took off running. The problem was there was nowhere to run. The aisles were completely filled. And so I, I was watching them, and they were all excited. And one of them finally decided he couldn't take it anymore. And I was standing right about where my wife's sitting, and the pastor where Asher is, and that was a door right there. And one of them finally came off the platform, and he grabbed that door handle, and he opened it up, and he took off running outside. And, and boom, he was gone. And another one looked, was shouting and then looked up and saw him going out the door and said, I'm going too. And... And before you knew it, it was just pop, 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 pop. Here they all come, taking off down uh, out the door, running around the church. And I made the mistake. I uh, elbowed the pastor, and, and, and you couldn't hear yourself talk, so I just elbowed the pastor and, and said, you know, I was trying to say, isn't that something? Would you look at that? And the pastor thought I was saying, let's go. <laughs> so, so the pastor looked at me and went, He was about retirement age, and he takes off running. Well, when the pastor goes, and you're the evangelist, you've got to go. I said, all right, so here we go, and we take off running around that building. Let me tell you what was happening that day. There was a bunch of people who had heard about Jesus Christ. It was a bunch of people that had been noised abroad what God could do. And they had decided to cram in because everybody wanted to be close to the Lord. I want the atmosphere to be right. I want the atmosphere to always be right in this church. And if we will get the atmosphere right, people will be hungry and people will come to see what Jesus is doing. Not only was the atmosphere right, but the attitude was right. It was an atmosphere of expectation, and it was an attitude of faith. They believed. 
They had an expectation that something was going to happen and then they just believed that they could be the next miracle. They could be the next one that God touched. And so here they came from all corners of the city. I am telling you today that if we can set the atmosphere with our hunger and believe that God can do anything. God can do anything. I want to shout it again. God can do anything. We've got just about everything we could possibly need in this room today to have an explosion that would rock the entire city of Jonesboro, Arkansas. I am telling you, there is no denying the fact that God is in this house today. You couldn't have walked in those doors and been a part of this service and leave here saying there was nothing to all that. That's, there's nothing to that Pentecost stuff. There's nothing happening with those people shouting and worshiping. No, you can't convince me that's true. Because when we came in here, there was a move of God that was undeniable. It was undeniable. So God can do anything. All that we need are a few people that are willing to help their brother or their sister find their way to the presence of the Lord. In this city, there are people that are sick with the spiritual palsy. There are people that are paralyzed in their dilemmas. They are paralyzed in their fear. They are paralyzed by their problems. And I want to tell you today that if we can get to where we carry them in here, there is no telling what God will do in their lives. I am ready to hear testimonies and more testimonies about God pulling people out of the gutter. I'm ready to hear more and more testimonies about God pulling people off drugs. I've got some friends that live in this area and around our community that their lives are wrapped up in a bunch of stuff it don't need to be wrapped up in. And I'm believing God that if I can get to them, I can get them in this house. The Lord is going to deliver them. We need a few people that say, I'm willing to pick up my corner of the bed. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And if I can't get in the door, then I'll try the window. And if I can't get in the window, then I'll go up on the roof. And if I've got to pull down the shingles, and if I've got to uh, move everything out of the way, I don't care who gets dirty underneath. I don't care what falls on them. If they don't like it, they can move. Because one way or another, I'm coming in. And what I want to say is, you may come to church, and you may say, I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care if anybody else is going to move. I don't care if anybody else gets bothered by my presence. I don't care if it, if it offends somebody that I decide to dance. I didn't come for them. I came for a touch from God. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right. I didn't come just for you. I came for a touch from God. Jesus said, he said that I didn't come for those. That those that are well don't even need a physician. And if all of us are so well that we get bothered by somebody else doing what they've got to do to get to God, we, don't just, we, we just need to figure out if we want to go to heaven or not, really. 
We need to make up our mind that He didn't come just to look for the the, the healthy. He didn't come for those that are well. But He's looking for people that are sick. And if I can get somebody that's sick in the presence of God, that's what I want. And if I bring a guest or you bring a guest to this church, please don't let me bring somebody in this church and us get here and not have a move of God. Please don't let your guests come to church and us not have a move of God. When they come here, it's because they need something they couldn't find anywhere else. They need something they couldn't find anywhere else. So four friends, and I preached longer already than I meant to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it in for a landing. Four friends that everybody needs. And by the way, you don't believe me, that's my notes today, okay? That's my notes. Four friends that every one of us need in this room. We need somebody who will lift us up in fervent prayer. We need friends who are fervent in prayer. We need some Elijah prayer warriors. We need somebody that will be having an altar service around here. And somebody will make up their mind. I'm going to pray with them. And there's going to be a breakthrough happen in their life. I am, not, I, I am not wanting this ever be a church where we lose our ability to pray people that need a touch in their life. We need to quit waiting for them to ask us to pray for them. And we need to start putting hands on them and praying for them. I'm going to tell you right now, when people walk in this apostolic church, they have an expectation that it'll be different. They believe we're going to be people of prayer. I'm reminded, I preached the funeral last, <coughs> last weekend. Uh, I, I went in, um, I, left, I was leaving the funeral home after it was over. And I tried to preach that funeral. And, and I didn't preach it quite as excited as I am right now because I didn't want to, you know, run people out of there necessarily. But I wanted them to know this woman believed in a move of God. And the family said, preach it like she's Pentecostal. So I did. And when the service was over and I was walking out to my truck, there was a group of older folks there and they were gathered and they were talking and, and I walked by and... One of them was smoking their cigarette. And, and he tried to hide it when the preacher came by. <laughs> and uh, that reminds me of a pastor I knew that was driving down the road and saw a saint from the church he pastored smoking. And, and he, just, he just zoomed up beside him, pulled up and rolled the window down and said, Quick, get in the car! And the guy had done this when he saw the pastor pull up. So instead of dropping it, he got in the car holding it. And the pastor just started driving nowhere, you know, just started talking to him, driving. And, and finally, after a while, that, I guess it burned down far enough. The guy said, Pastor, I've been sinning. Pull over. i got to get rid of this. <laughs> so I walked by this group, and they stopped me, and they said, Reverend. They said, that was a great message. They said, I've never been in a Pentecostal service before. I said, well, now you have. And one of them said, well, I've been to his church. And if you think that was something, you ain't seen nothing. 
Let me tell you something. When people come here, there's an expectation of fervency and prayer and pursuit of God. It doesn't bother me one bit to have that reputation. I want people to know that if they have a need, come over here, get here. We'll pray for you and God will deliver you. Sit down. The second friend is the friend of exuberant worship. We don't need this. They can go to the blank denominational church and get this. We don't need this. Praise you, God. We need exuberant worship. We need the kind of worship that David had. David said, if I'm bringing the presence of God with me, I'm not bringing the presence of God in like this. If you want to bother me, do one of these. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. We don't bring the presence of God in like this. When we're bringing the presence of God in, we need to take a page from David who said if you think that was something, you ain't seen. I'll dance with all, with all of my might. Are we an apostolic church? Are we an apostolic church? Somebody give God and all your might praise. (laughs) Be seated. I'm making Brother Bill's job difficult today. I'm sorry, Brother Bill. The third friend we all need is a bold response. When the preacher gets up and preaches... And he pours his guts out before you, so to speak. And he's tried to convince you of the plan of God to touch your life and how God is for you. We don't need a timid response. We don't need no response. But we need a bold response. Now let me be an old school preacher. We talk about old times and old back in the days. Well, back in the day... There was an expectation in my house that when the preacher got through preaching, you went to the altar. We didn't sit in our we didn't sit back and wait on everybody else to do their thing. But in my house, we went to the altar. We went to where the move of God was. Well, God can touch me back here. Yeah, he can. But I found God does his best work up here. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. We need people to step out by faith who will have a bold response. And if you believe what I'm preaching, you don't need to sit back on it, but you need to step out on it. If you believe that Jesus, when He told Peter, He said, Come on, 
Peter said, if it's you walking on the water, bid me come to you. What some people want to do is they'd really like to say, and they think they're Pentecostal, but they really ain't. What some Pentecostals want to do is, Lord, if it's really you, transport me out there to you. Well, I'm preaching good today. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> Lord, Lord, just, just, just pull me up to you, Lord. No. Jesus looked back at Peter and said, Come! And I want to say to some people in this church, you've been wanting to move a God. You want God to move for your family. You want God to move for your kids. You want God to move in your body. You want God to move in your finances. I say to you, come. Come. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Somebody's got to get up, step into an aisle, and make their way to the front. We need a bold response. Be seated. And the fourth friend we need is the friend of unyielding determination that says it doesn't matter how many times I have to ask. It doesn't matter what obstacles are in front of me. I don't care if people are in the door. I don't care if I got to climb up on the roof. You know that was not easy to carry a man onto the roof. I don't care if I got to climb up on the roof. I will do whatever it takes. They climbed on the roof. Some of us can't come to church in the rain. Well. They climbed on the roof. I know, now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities, so I don't want to offend anybody. I understand our elderly, and I understand those that have physical infirmity and issue. And if somebody does not jump up when I'm preaching like this, you need to assume that there is a physical reason why they cannot. But for those who can, If you got to climb on the roof, you climb on the roof. The other day, uh, Landon, your brother shared that video of Brother Jack. Brother Jack goes to church in BB, Arkansas. Brother Jack can only stand with, he has to go everywhere on a motorized scooter. And he can only stand holding on to that scooter. Brother Jack, a couple years ago, decided he wanted to go to North American Youth Congress. And that's where 30-something thousand young people gathered together and began to lift up the Lord. And when they were in there, do you know Brother Jack? Just down the road from y'all. He's in BB. And, and when they were at Youth Congress and those people got to worshiping God, Brother Jack pushed himself up, got up off that motorized scooter, grabbed a hold of it and stood behind it, and he just shook You say, well, that's not much. It's all he could do. But thank God for somebody that'll do all they can do. I want to know if you've got an unyielding determination that you don't care what the obstacle is. You don't care what the difficulty is. But you're going to give it all you've got.
These are the four friends of those in need. Stand with me. Your fervent prayer, your exuberant worship, your bold response, and your unyielding determination. These are the four friends that we all need. And if we're going to have a move of God, not just for us, but for our loved ones and our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers, we've got to make sure we've got those four friends. And if I bring somebody into this church, would you please, would you please be one of their four friends? If you bring someone to this church, I want to be one of their four friends. If your kid comes to church, this pastor's going to do all he can. I'm going to be one of their four friends. I'm going to help do everything I can to make sure. But if you want me to do it for you, then by all means, you better come do it for me. We've got to give each other our best. We've got to give each other our best. So today, that was not what I came to church planning to preach, but the Lord just would not release me from it. I came to tell you, if you'll let me down, He'll let me go. If those four friends will just let us down, the Lord has the power to let us go. The question is not what He can or will do. The question is, what will you do?